Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Alexa. Alexa Randolph is an author, blogger, and podcaster. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in communications from Michigan State University. Once she had graduated, she was in a bad car accident and was diagnosed with central pain syndrome, an illness that affects the central nervous system. It has been a rough road for Alexa. However, she used the traumatic event and diagnosis to become an advocate for the Central Pain Syndrome Foundation, where she hopes to bring awareness to those who suffer. Alexa is also a podcast host of Hey Alexa, the podcast, and With Love Alexa, the podcast. She is also an accomplished author of two books, With Love Ella and With Love Daniel, as well as a speaker. Alexa is also an accomplished entrepreneur and owner of Custom Designs by Alexa, which is a custom design business where she designs wine, beer, champagne, and shot glasses, as well as tumblers and other accessories for all occasions. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Alexa. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. So am I. Um, <laughs> listeners, I had the pleasure of being on Alexa's show. You're going to love this conversation. Um, Alexa is a sweetheart, and it's I imagine she's going to have so many great nuggets of information to share with us. So let's get at her. So Alexa, one of the things that I focus on on my podcast is a person's origin story. And the reason I focus on the origin story is so many people glass over the fact like they, they sugarcoat it, that the fact that our origin is really why we are where we are at, mm -hmm. whether it was a good origin, whether there was some good, bad, and ugly, it, it, it shapes us to who we are, even as young yes. adults into adulthood, some of our decisions are because of our origin. And I find that the listeners can relate so much better to, to our conversation if they understand a little bit more about you. So can you do me a favor, pardon me, and tell me what are the key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently? Yeah, for sure I can. Um, but I also, before I do that, I agree with you um, about our story as what makes us who we are. And without it, it would be someone completely different. So I love to get people's stories and I love to share my own. So Perfect. thank you again for having me. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, there's been a lot of crazy things that have happened growing up. Um, I've been through a lot of traumatic experiences. I like to call myself a cat, like I have nine lives. Um, and I've used about five of them. So <laughs> hopefully I don't need any, I don't have to use the four. Um, I am an only child. And so I like have learned, kind of been become more independent. 
because like I didn't have like siblings so like I had a very big imagination growing up which is kind of probably why I was able to write the books and do some of the things I've done is because of this imagination um but like I was saying before about some of these traumatic experiences I when I was four I actually was at a day camp you know like a kid's pool and my lungs filled up with water and I counselors looked over and I was floating towards the top of the pool um and I don't remember this but I told my parents this that night and they were they had told me over the years but apparently I was going towards a bright light and someone told me it wasn't my time and I was revived um I wish I kind of remembered it I feel like it's kind of a cool story to like really remember but I don't um and I think that's also why because I'm I'm not the best swimmer and I'm not a Anna swimming I liked where I could stand and I think that's probably subconsciously from that point in my life from the drowning even if I don't remember it subconsciously there um, I've also had a bad appendicitis and where I was like 12 hours away like I probably would have been dead the next day had we not gone in and then the I, I've had two car accidents that um were pretty rough so it's just been a definitely a roller coaster but I've always just overcome all the situations I've been in and I think that's just always been a part of me my parents were similar so I, I learned from them you had good role models you had good people to pattern mm -hmm. after that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize and obviously you do Alexa that you know, we are defined in some ways by our surrounding is from our parents to our relatives to yeah. people in school, the patterns that we learn, but we can break out of them though. So mm -hmm. if it had been a similar situation, I've had guests on that have had terrible childhoods, had poor pattern role models, but it was a wake up call as they got older and realized that they were following on that same roller coaster ride their parents had lived a life and it was a catalyst for some people though that pattern continues and they just use that you. as an excuse I know quite a few people that way and it it's breaks sad. my heart though breaks yeah. my heart because you know what we all have the seeds of greatness in us and you know we just we have to find proper associations coaching mm -hmm. mentorship to flourish and water just like a tree would die if it never got water or a plant it's the same sort of thing we all need to be satiated in our mindset and it's just not happening in today's day and age. And you had mentioned before we started recording that you teach, you're also a, mm -hmm. a teacher. I imagine you see that a lot in the school systems. Do you? Um, some, I'm very new to it. Like I had just started last week or I don't know when this will be airing, but um, I started early June. And so it's, it's new, but yes, I see like a lot of disruptive behavior and things that, and like, oh, you overhear conversations from kids and things. So you definitely hear and see a lot. Yeah. You see a of lot of those patterns. Yeah. 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 I don't think it would even matter if you'd been doing it for 10 years or yeah. a year. It, it's, it's easy to pick up on it. And the reason I bring this up is the people that are listening or watching this bottom line in life those children are bringing patterns from home they mm -hmm. can't just shut it off just like somebody as an adult if you have bad patterns in your relationships or in your home life 
or it's at work. It's hard to not bring that work to home, yeah. home to work. Those patterns are there. And it always goes back to what are you doing in your mindset to strengthen yourself, to be able to deflect some of it, if not all of it. And I think that's been a, a resounding thing that I've found as I've gotten older and, you know, more wisdom because of the mistakes and, you know, life lessons and create, you know, created a, a place in my mindset where I, I have more empathy for people. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that is, is severely lacking in our society. What is your take on empathy? Um, no, I definitely can see it lacking. Um, I, I have a lot of empathy for people. I, I'd say I always have, but ever since my accident where I have chronic pain now, I really have a lot more empathy because you don't know what people are going through. Like I look completely healthy, normal, like you would never know anything happened. But, and there's, everyone's like that. Like there's so many people out there that you would never know are depressed or they could be one minute away from wanting to kill themselves. And you're maybe one thing you could have said, maybe giving them a hug or just telling them hi without even knowing. Yeah. And change, change everything. And I think there's a difference with empathy and compassion. I've been learning empathy. I have a little bit too much sometimes and not in a bad way, Me but I, it's, I feel for people like literally, like if I'm with people, like I'm friends, my family, whatever. And if someone's in a bad place, I feel it in my body and it like makes it hard for me. So I need to try and like, um, level or balance it out a little bit where I have maybe more compassion and less empathy in that way. Cause it's, it just, it's hard on me. Well, empathy, is, yes, empathy is, a, it drains people. And, and yeah. I've had been, had the honor of having um, an empath coach on. I've actually had her on twice, two different times in the last year and a bit. And realizing that I had been told by other people's, uh, people that I was an empath. People can have, know the difference. You can have empathy. It doesn't mean you're an empath. So right. Alexa is probably an empath because if you feel drained when you're around people and you pick up yeah. on their, on their energy, good, bad, and ugly, you take it with you like baggage. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's really tough. I've had to struggle and, and figure that out because I didn't realize for probably a decade that I was an empath and having four daughters and a son and my daughters would be radiating stuff. They could be on the second floor of my house and I'd feel it. But I like how you talked about compassion. And there is a difference. I think mm -hmm. we have to have, we can have empathy for people, but compassion is, is something completely different. Um, they can tie together, obviously. I actually had, I think that's how I learned actually on my podcast. I think I had an empath coach and we were talking and she, we were talking about empathy and then she talked about compassion. And I'm like, that makes a lot more sense. So yeah, I learned, I learned it from the podcast. <laughs> well, what would, what would you say compassion? What's the differences? What did you, what have you learned about the differences between the two specifically? I think compassion, it's similar, but in a way you're not, it's not you feeling it. You can have compassion for someone, like you can feel for them, but that doesn't mean it's getting put on you. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I think we're empath. You're like for me and maybe you, like if someone's having a, lot, a really bad day and I can feel it in my body, like I feel bad. Like I feel, I, I get anxious. It's like we're an antenna 
It's like we're we're picking up all that stuff, yeah. right? It, it, so yeah, it, I definitely feel that. I I can be on a podcast, and here's another thing: I get so many people, and and then we'll move on. But I get so many people that think that you can't, as an empath or somebody with empathy, or you can't emote things through a podcast. Like you and I are, aren't in the same place. You're on the, you know, you're on the Eastern part of the U S I'm in the, on Western Canada, but yet I can still pick up when I'm on calls with people. I can still, my energy, yeah. sometimes I have podcasts that are so emotional and there's tears and there's lots of emotion between both myself and the guest or just one of us. And I get off the podcast and I need a, I need to take a nap. I'm wiped out. Yeah. That to no. me is my empath empath right? I'm yeah. I don't really think like when it's when you have zoom and you're face to face, it's not too much different from being in the same room. I mean, you're looking at each other, you see each other's emotions, you see each other's everything where like maybe if you're on the phone and not seeing you can hear but it's it's maybe not as maybe you don't pick it up as much. But I mean, I'm looking at right at you. So it really it's just like being together, but just in a different room. Well, yeah. And you can see mannerisms. You can see a person's eyes. You can see if they're Mm -hmm. leaning forward. You can see if their shoulders go up, right. Unless they're just giving you a, like a neck up shot, but (laughs) you know what I mean? So prim and proper. So thank you so much. That's, uh, that's been a fantastic conversation thus far. And I imagine I'll continue on. So one of the things we touched on though, was the next question I have, you graduated with a bachelor's degree in communication from Michigan state. Was it your intent to become a podcast speaker author or did this all come about due to your accidents and your diagnosis completely i was not somebody that liked to do speaking i was scared of public speaking i was scared of all this stuff like i i love to write i was more of the writer than the speaker um i originally actually wanted to do event planning with with my degree and i did a little bit of it um about six months after like right after the accident like before I was really bad and then as time went on I got really bad where I couldn't even concentrate my brain was foggy and I didn't even know why I went to a doctor and found out it was all from the accident like I had a concussion and the concussion wasn't even diagnosed for like four months um so as time went on I took a I was basically had a year of where I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. I just kept getting really sick and really in a lot of pain and could barely function. And I had a doctor telling me it was all in my head that I was like basically making it up because he couldn't figure it out because all my tests, everything was normal. But that's a lot of times with chronic pain, you do have things, everything's normal. It's not like, oh, I have a spot on my head. So that's what it is. There's really never anything. after that, I started to realize like doctors don't know everything just because they're human too. I mean, they have certain like degrees, but they don't know everything. And you know your body better than everybody, than anybody. And that's what I learned. And I wanted to be that person for other people to realize that not every expert is an expert of, of everything. And you have to fight for yourself because no one's going to do it. Yeah, that's 100% correct. I had somebody on my show a few weeks ago, I lose track of time, where they had major medical problems. And she created a company that helps people 
deal with the medical system, specifically in US. She does in other countries too. She's gotten to know stuff in like my country in Canada and helps people wade through the fact of, of incorrect information for the medical yeah. community, incorrect billing. She was she got billed for stuff incorrectly and that people yep. never ever look at. She learned how to read everything because she was in financial strife, right? She was yeah. her illness was crushing her financially. So it makes sense what you're talking about. Obviously, I'm not here to bash doctors or anybody in the medical and community. Me neither. But the thing that you said is key. They're human. They right. make mistakes. So people watching or listening, if you are severely, you know, in an illness or or suffering, don't be afraid to go get a second opinion. Yes, I understand it can be a cost factor, especially in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Whereas me here, I can go to another doctor if I can find one. We have such yeah. a shortage of people in the medical community here, but I can go to another doctor and our healthcare system pays for that, right? And get another diagnosis. But it's so key, right? Yeah. You can't can't believe everything. Could you imagine people listening if Alexa had listened to the doctor that said that it was all in her head? Yeah. Where would she be today? Right. Um, well, two things about that. One is if you are a doctor and you're listening, I commend you for what you're doing. But I think what's really important is to have a bedside manner and to really just listen to your patient. Not everyone wants medication. Not everybody wants, like people like to think, oh, they just want medicine or they just, they're doctor shopping, they get what they want. In a way, yes, I was doctor shopping, but not, not to get meds and not to just to hear what I wanna hear. I needed help and I was gonna go find whoever I could to get that help. And I think you just, just sometimes just listening to your patient. And if you can't help them, that's okay. But don't tell them it's in your in their head. Help them find another doctor then maybe. Like I had my neurologist who just couldn't help me anymore. He couldn't figure it out. So he, instead of just telling, just throwing me away and just telling me, oh, it's on you. He was offering other doctors that I could go see. And I really respected that because sometimes it is, more than someone can handle. Oh, I, I completely agree. Um, and to reiterate what you're saying, I'm not against docs. Well, uh, my doctor, I've, I've uh, been his client for more than 30 years. And I've watched him to the evolution of his medical practice mm -hmm. and how he's dealt with my kids and his, yeah. and his bedside manner is amazing. And he's not afraid to say, you know what, I don't know, right? Yeah here i'm gonna that's what you need right and he was one of the top of his class when he graduated from university and got it and you know went through residency became a doctor so and he, he's he's fantastic as a networker so he knows who to send me to when right. i'm having challenges and a lot of time there are people he went to school with that were the top of their game too but yeah. they decided to go into specialty instead of G becoming a general practitioner right so i appreciate your uh your sharing that you know, and I have some again. of the most amazing doctors now. I have a huge team that has been, I've had them for about five years now. Um, and I'm so thankful for them. Like I'm actually on a medication for the first time in five or six years that I'm in minimal pain. 
Oh, that's awesome. So that's how we know it's not in my head because it's medications helping. So yeah, of course. But you know, what people aren't automatically up on, I always taught this to my kids, they're down on. So and, and that can affect any profession in my finance profession, yeah. teaching, doctor, lawyer, it can be anything that of a profession where people can't get over themselves. They yes, think they ego. know it all. Yes, they think they know it all or yep. uh, they have that attitude. And I struggled with that in my 20s. I used to have this attitude going in my 20s into my 30s where, you know, I've forgotten more than, you know, who are you to tell me any different? Yeah. And you know what I mean? I did. I, I I don't know if everybody suffers this, but I went through a period of time where I was cocky. I had ego issues because I was good at what I did. Right. Right. And it, not necessarily wanting to be arrogant it just it was the way I came across and right. I needed to learn how to articulate and be humble and be vulnerable and realize and I think that's what's sometimes professions just professionals just don't get it they yeah. they get stuck on that hamster wheel of being perfect and that they can't do any wrong and for some people that works for you and I it didn't and you found people that are helping you and yeah. that's fantastic I'm glad to hear that so Alexa, due to your bad car accident, you were diagnosed with central pain syndrome, an mm, illness that affects sure. the central nervous system. Can you please explain more about this condition and what you have done to deal with the circumstances that have and continue to arise with this condition? Yeah. So the best way I describe it for people to really understand, it mimics MS, multiple sclerosis. It has a lot of the same qualities, like with the pain, the, the uncomfortableness, like the touch, everything is very similar. I just don't have lesions like on my brain or in my back and I won't progressively get worse over the years, thankfully, but it's, it's very similar. So if you know symptoms of MS, it's pretty similar. Um, like I would have issues with touch. Like sometimes someone touching me, I, I was wanting to jump out of my skin um, a lot of times even the shower, the pressure shop in the shower would hurt. Um, when I was cold, I get goosebumps and the goosebumps, I'd rather literally pick my skin. It would be more, less painful. So it's, it's everyday, normal touch, everyday, normal things were making, were actually causing more pain, um, to my body and it wow. affects so it affects your brain, your brain stem and your spine. So a lot of stroke patients, um, like TBI, anyone with any like neurological condition can get this on top of it. Um, it's pretty, it's, it's considered rare, but it's really not. Like, I mean, so many people probably have it and don't even know. Um, the way I actually found out, I kind of like diagnosed myself in a roundabout way because my one doctor had sent me to this um, it's cranial sacral therapy, which is like where they like don't touch you, but they kind of like are right almost really close. So like they're maneuvering things without actually touching you. It's very interesting. But the therapist had said something about like I had a lot of issues in my thalamus area, like nerves and stuff. So after that, I decided to look up like she was like call it thalamus pain or whatever. And I looked it up and it was another name for it was central pain syndrome. And I had every single symptom, literally to a T. And I'm wow. like, this makes a lot of sense. And then I 
happened to go to my new doctor. This was right after the doctor told me well in my head. So I went to a new doctor. I knew the name of this condition. And I had said, is this possible? And she said, yes, that's probably what you have. So I'm not somebody who like, I'll have a cough and I look up cough and then I'm diagnosing it myself. She basically, this therapist basically told me what was going on. So I was just looking that up. Um, I am a big researcher, like when, I, when I'm diagnosed with something, because I like to know what I'm up against. I like to know what's going on and if there's something I can try or do. It took a lot of years. I had pain doctors, pain management. I had neurologists. Um, I had a TBI doctor. I've had so many different doctors and therapies to try it. I've been on so many different medications and a lot of the medications were not working. I'd actually have worse side effects. So to me, it just wasn't worth it. And within a week or two, I was off of them. Um, for about a year or two, I wasn't on any medication. Um, and I was just dealing with it every day um, in and out. Some days I couldn't do much at all. Some days I was able to do more, but those the days I did more, I ended up with make it worse because then the next day I'd be out. Um, and we finally were about to try this um, device that can go, that goes into your back. Um, it's like this little, like with electrodes and it's supposed to like zap you and it kind of is supposed to help with like managing pain. But I had to go to like a neuropsycho, no, a neuro pain psychologist or something first to make sure that I knew everything. And then there was a team of doctors that talked about it at a meeting and they had come up with trying a ketamine infusion and then ketamine pills to see first if that helps at all and then go from there. And so I had to get two infusions and they're just to see if it helps at all. If the pain is even for like an hour that I try these, these pills and it's been really good. That's, I finally found something at the moment that's been helping. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I can't even imagine the sense of relief that happened in your life in that moment where you found a solution to finding out, you know, yep. like you, I think you called it thalamus pain or whatever to find that's out another name of it. Yeah, 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 another name of it. And then you looked it up and put that effort in already that I, I know myself, that would have already been starting of the relief of the healing to know that you could identify it. And then obviously the process up to getting, you know, the ketamine infusion and then the medications and stuff. And now you're, you know, you're living a productive, yeah. purposeful life. For but the first time it, in six years. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's, thank you so much for sharing that. I so think, go on. Oh, no, um, go ahead. I think one thing that's um, huge is, oh my gosh. I was going to say that happens all the time. I'll literally say something. And then as I'm saying, and I don't remember, that's um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's that's okay. so that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. No problem. Um, so you are an advocate for the central pain syndrome foundation, where you work to bring awareness to those who suffer. What can those who suffer with this condition expect from the foundation to assist in living a purposeful life? So I don't do a ton with them anymore. They're really, they're great. It, it's more, um, they give a lot of information um, and they'll like donate to try and come up with clinical trials. Uh, I'm just a more of an advocate for central pain syndrome in general, but I liked working with them. I did their blog for a while. Um, 
And there's a great Facebook group. So if anyone, I think it's called the Central Pain Syndrome Foundation and people are always writing in it. And it's really nice to see other people who are like suffering, not, not that I don't want to see other people suffer that came out wrong, but like knowing that you're not alone. And sometimes I would get these weird symptoms and I would like put it in, like, does any, and there would be so many people that would have the same symptoms. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm not like just making this up. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But, you know, even though you're not part of it though, at least you were injecting yourself into it to help out initially. And it, it helped you, of course. And you yeah. know how it can help others, as you mentioned that, you know, they can be in, they're an advocate, they have lots of information, having a Facebook group, where like minded people going through the same circumstances can get together and commiserate in a good way, where they are and supporting it's great for caregivers and too. Yeah, and it's care- great for caregivers. So they can learn a little bit about it too. Right on. So people, you know, just Google it, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it. Um, yeah. And check it out. If you think you're somebody that's suffering from it, or you think that you know somebody, sometimes knowledge is power, right? So you mm-hmm. just need to go out and do the research. So Alexa, you suffer with chronic pain, obviously, as we talked about it, you've got it managed, you know, to a good degree. Most would have no clue as to what exactly one goes through when they have chronic pain, such as you experience. What stages did you go through personally? Like you've listed some of it, but I know you have a process of of where you explain the stages you went through personally up to where you're at currently. Yeah, I went through a lot. I had a huge grieving process. Um, And sometimes I still get it once in a while, not so much lately, but for a while, I mean, you go in and out. I was angry a lot. Um, I was sad because I would see all my, this was two months that started after I graduated college. Um, I had my whole life ahead of me and I could barely hold down a job. And it was hard because I would see my friends starting to move out on their own. And I would see people getting jobs and doing all this stuff. And I was like jealous in a way because I'm like, I should be like that. But in a way, everything happens for a reason. And had I not gone through everything I'm going through, I wouldn't have the podcast I do. I wouldn't have met the people I've met. I've had, I've gotten to meet some amazing people like yourself. Um, I've also gotten to meet a lot of reality stars um, who have been on my podcast for mental health. And I would have never probably written the books that I wrote because I started it before all this. But then I really took that year when I couldn't really work. I, I, fixed it, edited, had it work with a coach, published it. And I don't know that I would have had it not gone through all this. So there's, and I've literally learned so much about myself. So I definitely like, as much as I don't want it to have happened, I'm thankful for it in a weird way. But a lot of it, it's, it can be hard to explain to somebody that doesn't understand, like has an experience of themselves. Um, but the best way I would describe how a half the time my day-to-day was, I literally would feel like half I got hit by a Mack truck slash have the flu. It was that achy everywhere that I couldn't get comfortable. Um, it would hurt to stand and walk. It would hurt to lay down. Like I felt bruised everywhere. And I was tired all the time. Like I still, that's the worst part right now is just the exhaustion all the time. Um, like the lack of energy and like my brain fog a lot. Well, is really hard. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. 
Um, but I like how you put the fact you wouldn't be here if not for the journey that you went through. Yeah. Um, that's the same for myself. I look back and I think, geez, if this wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. If yeah. I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have had this relationship, you know, married incorrectly or whatever the case may be, yeah. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't be where I am with my career. I wouldn't have gotten into finance. I wouldn't have my give a heck brand. Like the list goes on. So right. it's good though, that you can acknowledge that and appreciate the fact though, that the journey sucked right it had a lot of suckage factor and you went through trials and tribulations but you rose above the noise you literally yeah. climb on you're on a constant climb but listeners realize if you were you know if you didn't hear it rewind and listen to what alexa was saying she has those days right where she's still grieving where yeah. she's angry maybe she's sad guess what so do i we just learn to become more self-aware of it. And we, we learn different little techniques to change our state. Do they always work? I don't know, Alexa, do, you, do the things that you use always work? No, nope. <laughs> nope. some days I just have to take a nap and get out of my head for a little while. I love it. The nap, <laughs> na yes. we, we should do pot. The person should do podcasts just about napping. Oh, <laughs> right. Just nap stories. I love napping. <laughs> And the older I get, the more I love it. Even a power yes. nap. I can even have like a four, 35, 30, whatever, 40 minute power nap. And I'm not even sleeping the whole time. Sometimes I'm just sitting there and my, right. and my brain's just like, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Alexa, you are an accomplished author of two books with Love Ella and with Love Daniel. What was your drive to become an author? What was the process like for you to write these novels? So I've always liked to write um, ever since I was little and I've always had this imagination where I've come up with stories in my head not to write per se just like games I would play or just I'd imagine situations um, and I used to play like school when I was little and imagine people there and I just have always used to write like cards and letters to my family and I just always had a way like with words and senior year of high school I'd started I had come up with an idea to write a book and I did it for a little while and then I kind of got lost and just didn't like it anymore and kind of just put writing away for a while. And then my junior year of college, I was just at on break at home watching TV and all of a sudden I just had this idea for a story and characters and I just started outlining like the characters. I did an outline of the story, like where I wanted to see it go. I even did like a quick sentence chapter by chapter just to give myself points. So like when I started, I would know where I wanted to go. Um, and one, and then I just started writing the first chapter. I'd write a chapter a day. And I never like to be done in the middle, like stop in the middle, because then I don't want to forget where I'm going. So I always made sure to finish a chapter. Um, and that was, I did it for a while. And then I took a break because I had a lot of stuff going on. So I took a break and a couple months later picked it right back up um, because I had the outline. So it helped me to see where I wanted to go. And when I graduated and the accident happened, I ended up sending it. First, I tried sending it out like queries to agents and I just never heard anything. So I decided to have an editor, local editor look at it. And there was a lot to be fixed. Um, so she said, I would suggest like working with a writing coach just for a couple sessions, 
they can get you a little bit stronger in certain things. So I did, and I ended up really liking him to the point where I actually would worked way longer than the four sessions. We actually rewrote the book together. Like I would write it and then he would look at the help me yeah. throughout. Yeah. And it was the, it was mainly the same. I mean, the majority of the book was the same. A few things inside were different, but like the ending, like all that was pretty much the same. And after that, I ended up getting it edited again by like the editor and ended up trying once again to send it out. And then I'm just like, you know what? I'm not really getting anything. I'm going to self-publish. So, and I'm like, really the only difference is I'm just paying for stuff up front, but I was already, I had already paid for the editing and I had someone I knew did the cover. So it was like a relatively cheap price and I just did it all on my own and learned how to do it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of self, stressful, a lot of stress, yeah. but fun. Yeah. Self-publishing, there's nothing wrong with it. The largest publisher on the planet is Amazon and majority of the books that yep. go there are self-published. Yeah. And and it's shocking to find out how many different publishing companies pick up the book anyway. Yeah, later on. Later on, right? So, you know, there's people that are in different camps that have different, you know, or you're not really an author unless you've gone through a, you know, like a massive publishing company. And I call BS no. personally because my book is self-published. I hired a company to help me put my thoughts down on paper. They sent yeah. me stuff. I worked on it. I tossed things away. I added things. And then the, mm -hmm. their editor would look at it until it all got down to a point. I had cover design issues. Um, wanted things changed a little bit on the one I liked. Not a problem. They changed it. Originally, I had like 30 some covered choices. Like it, was, <laughs> it was amazing what the yeah. design department did for me. And yeah, it's just it, it's very cathartic, though, to write a book, whether it's mm -hmm. fiction or nonfiction. Um, but one of the things I really liked that you talked about was when you started a chapter and this, this goes to your personality, I could be wrong, but you, you always would finish it. So you were doing a chapter a day until you took a few months off, yeah. but you always wrote until you were done that, right? So you didn't lose your flow. You didn't lose your thought process. Yeah. Do you treat life like that in general when you start stuff? I try to. I think sometimes it's too much. Like it's, I don't want to say it's OCD, but it's similar. Like it's, it. I have that, in, like if I'm in the middle of a project, like when I would be working on my website, so I built my own website. Um, and when I've been working on it, I could be working on it for let's say six hours. And I need, I just, my head's going to explode. Like I just, but then I'm like, I feel like I need to get it done. And sometimes I would do it longer and it would just not be good. And I'm, and I have trouble sometimes telling my letting myself stop when I need to and that was probably at times that's a lot of times though when I was writing it was I just had all these ideas and it went fast like I was just able to do it but other times in life yes I like to try and finish things well of course I don't like our I don't health, like letting our health things can be in the middle things. our health can deter things yeah. obviously but you have a tenacious personality yes. <laughs> and and again I was on your show and I've, we've gotten to know each other a little bit and yeah. So that's good though. Cause again, health issues can creep in things happen. It is what yeah. it is, but I wanted the listeners to understand though, that sometimes when you start things, you just need to finish it and you need to push through things. Sometimes you can't, but more often than not, if we tell ourselves that we can never complete stuff that we're, we're you just end up being a quitter. 
right? And you, you never, ever accomplish anything and you get stuck in a rut. So one of the things we need to work on as a society is when you start stuff, even if you have a setback, like you were saying, some days you just, you couldn't do things. You'd push through it. Other days you might not have been able to, but you knew that was temporary and you stepped yeah. back on, right? You stepped up again, started the climb and you never, ever gave up on yourself. And that is commendable. I appreciate that about you. Thank you. And yeah, and sometimes things aren't going to get finished right away. Like it could take some days. It could take a week. It could take a month to finish a project. Like don't like rush into finishing one day because just to get it done. That's well, things I've done too. And the websites could take months to make it really good. And you're always changing it. But I would just feel like I had to get it done. Like I had to do it and it would end up being messed up or something wouldn't go right and then it would just be a whole thing so sometimes depending on the project and depending you can listen to your body and just not always finish it in one day oh, of course you 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 i like that though you have to listen to your body sometimes yes. sometimes though our brain we can ignore <laughs> some of the things that our yes. thoughts creep in and 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 the you know the negative self-talk and the self-limiting beliefs and stuff things i still work on today um again those that are been listening to my show for a while have heard me talk about it many times and different things that i do to quiet that little that little voice in our heads that can be you know some people talk about the angel on one shoulder and the devil mm -hmm. on the other right and yes you know what i mean so good for you and you know that's why i think we we connect we get along we have a lot of mm -hmm. commonalities and stuff so alexa you're an accomplished entrepreneur and this came about after your accident was the accident a catalyst for you to create your business um not really i don't think i think because it was years later um it was just actually within the last year that i really started it um but obviously i don't know that i would have done it had it not been for the accident, like everything just kind of stems from the accident, because like if it hadn't have happened, just my life would be so different. Oh, I probably could have been working. I was originally supposed to be working at a store, um, and then the accident happened, and I ended up having to not go in, not work. But or I could have been in bed planning. So just all this stuff happened after the fact. So yeah, so it, it the, the catalyst was the accident, whether or not it was directly you right. might have created a business, but it could have been something else because you were, your journey would have been having you doing something different. So it could have right. taken you longer. You might've done a different business, but mm -hmm. we are where we are in life because of the choices that happen to us without our control or happen, yeah. you know, because of our control, obviously. So Alexa, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? So my saying, and it's been like this for a while, is that you are forever strong. There's going to be days, there's going to be situations that are going to push you down and make you feel so low and so like not worth it, but you have strength. It's always there. It just might be really deep down. You just have to dig it back up and get up again and you're just forever strong. That's awesome. I love that. That's going to be a great title for the podcast. <laughs> I just wrote that down. <laughs> I take notes all the time as you, as you notice, right? So, yeah. so, so our time is almost up and I want to respect our listeners in your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners 
what is the best way to reach you? Yes. So my website is customdesignsbyalexa.com. And my I do a lot on Instagram, which is the Alexa Randolph. And TikTok is Alexa Randolph. Right on. I'll make sure those are in the show notes. Um, listeners, you can, our people watching, you can access that at giveaheck.com. Um, there's a podcast portal button. You can click on it. You'll see Alexa's smiling, shiny face, uh-huh. and you'll be able to click on the links. I'll make sure they're in there so you can easily find Alexa and you can easily access the show um, as well for there for people that are wanting to watch it. Sometimes people don't realize that I have a YouTube channel that they can watch as well. <laughs> so I uh, appreciate so much you being on Give a Heck, Alexa. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to give a heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.